from the letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians starting in chapter 15, starting in verse 1. And Paul writes this, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you have received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and by his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. I apologize for my voice if it goes out. I was at a wedding all uh, weekend and I was outside all day yesterday. And so all the pollen and all the mold is starting to take effect. So if at about the 20 minute mark if I just go mute uh, my notes are up here and I'll, I'll tag off uh, to, to someone in the audience just come up and read and you'll be good to go uh, but I'm grateful to be here this morning I hope you are too you know we're, we're in this series called this is us and what we're looking at is who are we the people of God here at Powell's Chapel who are we this is us and so we journeyed the first two weeks through our mission statement our mission statement is this we want to know God And we want to make him known. We want to fully know who the God of the universe is, who God's created us in his image to be, and give him all the glory. That's the reason we're here. That's the only reason that we're here. We're not here because God was bored or because God wanted to do something creative. No, God, when he was with the Holy Spirit and with the Son, he said, hey, let's create them in our image and that they would be glory-bearing people back to ourselves. And so we're here today only to bring God glory. And so the only way to bring God glory is to fully know God. And so we want to fully know God. And then we talked a few weeks ago, if we really fully know God and all of who God is, um, first and foremost, we'll never fully know God. he's, He's the God of the universe. He's over all things. He's infinite. He's more than your brain or my brain can handle. Our hearts can handle But he calls us to know him. And the way, the primary way we get to know God is through God's word. These are 66 books written to us by God for us to know who God is. And then God says to us, hey, when you know me, then you're going to make me known to the world. So we want to fully know God. And then when we take what we know about God, we want to give that away. Because when we really get who God is, we understand that God has done something for us and he's, he's forgiven us of our sins and therefore there's other people that need that same message. So we go and we take the gospel to those who haven't heard. This is why we partner with Michelle and what they do at Operation Christmas Child because we know that there's billions of people around the world that don't get the privilege to sit in a pew and hear the gospel preached on a weekly basis. And so we get to partner and do that around the world. 
So we get to know God, and through knowing God, we go to make Him known. And then we talked about, we're in the middle of our series called Our Core Values. This is who we are. This is what we really value at the church. And so if you're a visitor here this morning, these are the four things that we value, or the four pillars that we hope to build all of life around, all the Christian faith around. You know, when you're building a house, you, you put studs in the, before you ever put walls up, you put studs in, and then you put the sheetrock. Everything hangs on those pillars. And if one of those pillars is broken, then what does it say? The, the whole house is going to fall down. It starts with a foundation. Our foundation is our mission statement, and then our pillars are this. And we'll talk about this one this morning. What we talked uh, last week about, we want to be a God-glorifying community. We want to be a God-glorifying church. That's what's going to mark us different than any other organization, is that God is the centerpiece of all that we do. And then, the, and then we talked about, we want to be a loving community. We want to be a loving church. We want to rally around and be the people of God here first and foremost. Do we love each other? The believer, the people of Powell's Chapel. And then this morning, our, our core value that we'll talk about is this. We want to be a gospel-centered community. You see, the gospel is what takes us and marks us different than every other religion in the world. Every other religion doesn't stand on the gospel. And so I want to talk to us about what the gospel is this morning. And then our last core value we'll look at is next week we want to be a disciple making community not a believing making community but a disciple making community we want to fully make disciples who will fully make him known and then make other disciples we want to reproduce what god did for his disciples right he chose the 12 disciples and in the end of his ministry he said go and teach them all that i've taught you and make disciples not make converts not make believers but make disciples the word disciple means or the word christian means to be a little christ and so we wanted to do that but first we've got to be a god glorifying community and now we got to be what does it mean for us when we're god glorifying to be a gospel centered community so what is the gospel this morning the word gospel means this the word gospel means the good news the good news you see, all throughout history, there's been these moments in history that have marked history. Some for good, some for bad. If you're here this morning, you may remember, you may be, uh, I'll say it this way, you may be wise enough to remember when JFK was assassinated. And if I came to you and I put a microphone in front of you, you could probably tell me the time and the place and exactly what you were doing. You know, for my generation, I could tell you exactly where I was when 9-11 happened. I was getting in my car to go to school and I turned on the Christian radio and all of a sudden it said there's been a plane that hit one of the towers. And I drove 30 minutes and heard and, uh, all about what was happening. I remember exactly where I was. There's other things in my life that have been uh, moments that have changed my life forever. When I, got in, when I first met Jenny, she was walking the aisle she, I can say this, but you better not tell her I said this. She'll be so mad at me. I, I was a pastor, and so I tell the story this way, how I met Jenny. I had just given the benediction, and so she came walking down the aisle. So I said, man, she's coming to get saved. 
she, really her beautiful parents were in the choir, uh, so she was really walking right past me. She, it had nothing to do about me at all. Uh, but that's how I tell the story. Do not repeat that to her. Okay? That's called a boundary. That's not a secret. What's said here stays here, all right? And I'll know. I'll know. But I remember exactly where I was at when I first met Jenny. I, I remember our wedding day. Just like yesterday, I was in a wedding, and I, I, it brought a flashback to my own wedding. I remember when my two kids were born. See, there's all these moments in life that define us. But there's been no greater moment in history than what we're going to talk about this morning. Out of all the other moments, whether it's been 9-11 or JFK or the Berlin Wall falling down, all the moments, there's no moment in history that's more marked than this one. It's called the gospel. And so I want to look at the gospel. I want to look at what does it really mean for us here at Powell's Chapel to be a gospel-centered community. I'm going to first look at Jesus. Jesus is part of the gospel. And then I'm going to look at our part our part of the gospel the two parts this morning the gospel according to jesus and then what the gospel does to us the person let's look at what paul says in first corinthians chapter 15 he says this now i would remind you brothers of the gospel highlight that in your bible he's talking to the church he's saying to the church hey remember when i preached the gospel to you i want to remind you about the gospel and I think for us here at Powell's Chapel, maybe in the American church, we hear this word gospel and it's become so uh, routine and so ordinary that it's become bland. It's just become vanilla. It doesn't have the impact that it once had when we first heard the gospel. And so what Paul is saying, hey, I want to remind you of the great message of the gospel. My hope is for us this morning that if you come here and you've heard the word gospel and you've heard the gospel message a thousand times, that, that it wouldn't be old to you. But some way that the Holy Spirit would interact with your mind and heart and bring alive and afresh what the gospel is, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so that's what he's saying, Paul says to the church. I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which I preached to you unless you believed it in vain. And so what is the gospel message? The gospel message is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so for us, the baseline is this. Simple. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do I say Jesus is? But more importantly, who does God say that Jesus is? And this is what God says about his own son through the writer of John in two different places, the book of John and then the first book of John. And this is what it says. Let's turn quickly to 1 John. This is what John says about Jesus. He says, that's which was from the beginning, which we heard, which we've seen with our own eyes, which we've looked upon, have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Highlight that in your Bible, the word of life. Remember, in John, the book of John, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Remember back in Genesis chapter 1, the word of God, Jesus himself, 
was present at creation. So here, John, both places, the book of John, 1 John, and way back in Genesis, it's referring to Jesus as the Word. And now John says, hey, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the first importance about who Jesus is, we have to realize this, the incarnation of God. I could speak for days and days and weeks about the incarnation of who Jesus is. Simply put, it's this, that God the Father was with God the Son, Jesus Christ, with God the Holy Spirit. And at creation, they were all present together in community with one another. And then the fall happened. I'll get to that a little later in the sermon. But at that moment of the fall, there was this conversation that began to happen between God himself the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, where God said to God the Son, hey, I need you to go down there to do for them what they could not do for themselves. And so, in other words, Jesus pulled skin on. So he became fully God and fully man. See, that's what separates us from every other religion. That God himself showed up here on this tangible planet he became flesh and with with us the incarnation of god see it starts there do we believe that jesus is god in flesh you see jesus when he pulled on skin he gave up some things we see that in the epistles but he still was all powerful almighty all knowing and god dwelt with us the incarnation. That's what we come and we celebrate Christmas was the moment that the incarnation happened. When the Virgin Mary gave birth to Jesus. You see, the Virgin Mary, there, there was no sex involved other than God himself showing up with Mary and saying, this is how it's going to be. It's a supernatural birth, the only of its kind. The incarnation starts there but not does it just start there then for the next 33 years god dwelt with us so we got to look at the incarnation of christ but we also have to now look at the life of christ that's the gospel the life of christ that's what the gospels are all about the, the four books matthew mark luke and john it's about jesus pulling on skin and now walking among the people of god and he begins to walk among the people of God, beginning to tell the people of God, he says this, that you've sinned and you've fallen short of God. That's the message of Jesus. And then he says, yet the good news is I've come to give you life and life to the full. So we read the Gospels to hear more and more about who Jesus is and how Jesus lived and then how Jesus called us to live. The Gospels are so important. You see, but it doesn't stop there with Jesus. See, it doesn't stop there because there's been many other prophets that have come and walked the world and told people how they live. Muhammad did that. Buddha did that. Uh, Mr. Smith did that with Mormons. There's been other prophets that have walked the world and showed people and told people how to live. But at first, they weren't incarnate of God himself. But here's the other part. They didn't die for anybody. They died, but they didn't die for anyone. You see, that's what Jesus does. He comes in the 
form of a baby. He walks for 33 years. And then at the end of the 33 years, he dies for the salvation of all people, he tells us. So the death of Jesus is just as important as the incarnation as it is his life. But see, this is the moment in history that will separate us, the Christian, from everyone else from every other religion, from every other known walk of life, this next moment I'm going to talk about separates us from all things. So Jesus died. We know that. We celebrate that at Easter. He died on a Friday. And what happened? He was buried in a tomb. And then he buried in a tomb. He then did what no other man has ever done. The resurrection. Let me say that again. He's done what no other man did. He raised himself from the dead that God himself incarnate in Jesus Christ walked this planet for 33 years hung on a cross for our sins was buried in a tomb and three days later the resurrection happened do we believe that church you see that's the moment in time that separates every other moment in time is the resurrection it's not just the death of Christ there's been a lot of other dead prophets have there not There's been a lot of other prophets that have been laid in a tomb. We can go visit that today. But what marks us different than every other religion is this. This is why it's called the good news. The good news is that we have an empty tomb and not a tomb full of bones. Do we believe that, church? See, that is the gospel. But see, if you know the gospel, then you're going to have to know yourself. Because the gospel is going to always be a mirror to who you and I are. Right? Because if Jesus came in bodily form and he said to his people, repent for the kingdom of God is near, then if I really believe that God himself showed up in the flesh, lived a life, taught me how to live life, died on a cross, was buried, and rose from the dead, if I really believe that, then every morning I wake up, I'll see these five things. The first one is this. I'll see that I'm a sinner. You see, the good news points me to the bad news. See, the good news is that there is a Savior that died for me, which says, man, if there's a Savior that dies for me, then there's something wrong about me. Right? So I'm a sinner. Right? Turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 says this. For there is no distinction. Catch this, highlight this, underline this, write in your margin. For all have sinned. You, 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 me. But that only comes out of my acknowledgement of the good news. 
You see, when I believed that there was a God that came in flesh form and dwelt among us and said, repent for the kingdom of God is near, and then said he was going to die and died and rose again, then I got to wake up and say, man, there's something off about me. What's off about me? It's not just that I'm a bad person trying to get good. You're not a bad person this morning. You are a sinful person. You see, I'll say it this way. This is getting recorded. Oh, I was just going to say it. You know, Jared and I were at the same wedding last night. And so we went and we saw uh, the, the, the massive uh, buffet table of food. So we began to eat the food. It was still food, right? But it was bad food. It was just bad. But it's still food. You see, if I just think I'm a bad person, now I'll still think, well, there's some nutrition in the food, right? I still ate, I still had the green beans, the chicken. It still gave me some nourishment. It was bad. But if I really come to myself and think I'm bad, then there's some part of me that thinks, well, there's still some good in me. But if I come to the mirror and look at the gospel and say, no, I'm a sinner, and what does it say next? I've fallen short of the glory of God. It says, man, there's nothing good in me there's no righteousness in me at all frank a few weeks ago talked about that my greatest thing i bring is still filthy rags so the gospel message of who jesus is puts a mirror in front of me that says wait i'm a sinner do we believe that church Do we believe that we're a sinner? Because if we believe that we're a sinner, then we're going to believe the next part of the gospel for us. The next part of the gospel for us is this, that then I need a forgiveness. Because the word sin means to miss the mark, that God's made a mark, and he said this is what the mark is. The mark is holiness, he says. That's what he says. Be holy for I am holy. And anything outside of holiness is sin. We've missed the mark. And so I don't know about you, but I'll be honest, I miss the mark a lot. But it's my acknowledgement in the morning when I wake up and I look at myself in the mirror and I say, man, I'm going to miss the mark a lot. Which means to me, man, I've got to be reminded of the gospel because the gospel pushes me to the next part of who I am. I need forgiveness. Do you believe you need forgiveness for missing the mark? You see, that's what he tells us in 1 John. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 2. He says this. My little children, John is writing the church. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But he says this. But if anyone does sin, and it's not like, oh, you might sin. It's the statement of, you will sin. If anyone does sin, when you sin, here's the deal. We have an advocate. The advocate is pointing us back to the gospel. See, the advocate says, I can't do anything in myself to forgive myself of my own sin. I need someone to forgive me or to be my advocate for what I could not do for myself. We have an advocate with the Father. 
Because the Father, we talked about it last week, the Father's requirement for sin is a penalty, and the penalty is death. And so he's saying you will sin, and you need an advocate to pay the price for your sin because you cannot pay it. Because if you were to pay it, you would only pay enough, and it wouldn't still be enough. You'd still die and go to hell. That's the payment. He says, but we have an advocate that's with the Father. You see, it's this courtroom setting. Here's the judge sitting on his throne. That's God the Father. And then we have this defense attorney, this lawyer, if you will. His name is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lord Jesus. And he's going before his father and saying, hey, look, I'll be the advocate for that wicked sinner. And so he's pleading your case before the Lord all day, every day. But here's the difference about this great lawyer, this great advocate. He doesn't just say and plead it before you. He then says to the judge what it says here. We have an advocate that sits with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. He is the propitiation for our sin. That means he is the payment for our sins. He's going the Father to the judge on your behalf. And he's saying to him, hey, I know they've done all this. I got no defense for what they've done, God. There is no defense. I got no excuses for what they've done. But what I do know is this, that I will be their replacement for the wrath that you want to pour out and that you're justified to pour out on them. You get that? You see, I only get that if I get the gospel. And the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus pulled on skin and said, I'll be the propitiation for their wickedness. You see, our wickedness deserves wrath from a holy God. And yet Jesus, the good news says, put it all on me. All of it. It's all on me. And then the gavel is smashed on the court bench and it says, guilty, 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 and doesn't look at us and looks at Jesus and says, the guilt is on you and now you are set free. Do you see that? That we are condemned to hell because of our sins. We deserve hell. And yet our great lawyer says, put it on me willingly and in that moment we say to jesus and we repent to him you see our forgiveness will always understanding forgiveness will always lead us to repentance if we really believe that we have an advocate and you say we don't take advantage of our advocate he's not a doormat that we sin and we wipe our feet off. That we come to Jesus pleading for his justice and his mercy and his grace and we cry out, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then we're forgiven. And then we put our faith into that. I think this for most of us is where the gospel message ends. You see, I think for most of us in this room this morning would say, yeah, I believe that Jesus came, was God in the flesh, 
dwelt among us, lived a sinless life to be the propitiation for my sin, has forgiven me my sin. We believe all that. But I think the last one is where we, the church, we, the individual, struggle with the most. But it's part of the gospel. You see, the gospel tells us this, church. The gospel message tells us this. Yes, you are forgiven. Yes, you are. You, you, you have no payment to be paid. It's on Jesus. And you place your faith in that. But the last one. Turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 says this. We'll read all of it. Verse 31. And so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciple, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Underline that word free in the Bible. And they answered him. We're offsprings of Abraham, and we have never seen been we've never been enslaved to anyone. What? That'd be my first answer. You are Jewish people. Your whole life has been in some sort of slavery. And as uh, today we can recognize that's us as well. We are enslaved to our sin. See, we are sinful people. At the moment of the fall, we become enslaved to sin. You will always choose sin over righteousness if you are an unbeliever. We're enslaved to it. We will always make that choice. We've never been enslaved by anyone. How is this that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So even if you practice sin now, you're a slave to sin. See, I think this is the part where we, the church, we, the believer, miss it. If you practice sin, you keep on going in sin, you are a slave to the sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed you see that's the gospel message that's the last part of the gospel that if you know jesus christ today you are free from sin you don't have to keep on sinning is what the gospel just told us and so why church do we still enslave ourselves to sin because i don't really believe we believe the gospel you see, if we're the gospel-centered community, then we'll really believe, man, that Christ died for me, I'm a sinner, that he pays the price for me, and that I, I'm out of hell, but not only am I out of hell, but now I'm out of the power of sin today. Do you get that, church? You are free. You are free, and yet we live like slaves. You see, if you're an alcoholic here, you don't have to keep on being an alcoholic if you place your hope and your faith and your life into Jesus Christ and you say, I'm powerless over my sin and my life becomes totally unmanageable when I'm enslaved to sin. And then I say to God, God, I place all of it in your hands today. And we live a life of surrender and the, the paradox is 
when we live a life in surrender, we live in freedom. When we live as slaves to God, we find freedom everywhere else. But when we live in, in bondage to sin, we think we find freedom everywhere else. That's just not true. You see, as a former addict, I get this. Because if I don't wake up today and face that I am an addict and I need God of the universe to intervene on me every moment, then I'll go right back into my bondage. I'll go right back. So I wake up every morning and I tell myself the gospel message. God, apart from you, apart from you, I'm bound and determined to ruin in my life. Apart from you, I'm bound and determined to do it. And my life says I'm one decision away, one thought, one drink, one you fill in the blank from wrecking my life again. But when I wake up and I say the gospel message is this, man, I can be free today. Today. I don't have to blank today. I don't have to because it's no longer me that's doing it. It's Christ Jesus who is in me when I live in my freedom in Christ Jesus. So my greatest fear for us as the church is we believe all the rest that I've talked about, but we don't believe in the last piece, that we really do have freedom today. But our freedom comes through surrendering and remembering the gospel. And so the gospel says what? I've got to know who Jesus is, but in knowing who Jesus is, I see who I am. I see who I am in light of who Jesus is says I am but if I don't live and surrender to who Jesus is then this is my propensity this is where I'm going to go every time so church do we believe the gospel today do we believe the gospel message the gospel is simply this that we would say every day we'd wake up and say man I am powerless over my life I'm powerless over every decision in my life And the moment I think I have power over my life is when I wreck my life. When I make any decision apart from Jesus Christ, my life is going to end uh, in a T-bone with life itself, and it's going to be a disaster. Do I know that? And then do I believe, man, there is a God bigger than me that can restore me to sanity, restore me to healing, restore me to freedom and wholeness. And I wake up and I tell myself that. And I tell myself the last part. Oh, there is a God. He sent his son Jesus to redeem me and to set me free. I'll place my hope and my faith and my trust in him today. You see, we want to be a gospel-centered church. Because when we become a gospel-centered church, then we'll tell people, hey, yes, you are a sinner. That's apart from Jesus Christ. But you have an advocate that's paid that price. And now you can go live a life of freedom and wholeness and truthfulness, and honesty. And what he tells us in John 10, 10, what does he tell us? I've come to give you life, and life to the full. That's the gospel message. Are we a gospel-centered community? Let us pray. God, I'm grateful for you.
What a wretched man I am. But you have been redeemed by grace, not of a choice of my own, but of your own doing, Lord Jesus. And I pray for every one of us in the room this morning. God, I pray that our gospel moment our salvation moment if you will wouldn't be something that happened in the past though it did God maybe all of us in the room God my hope is for all of us in the room that there is that moment in time that we see the gospel and we recognized and we repented and we turned and placed our hope into you So, God, there is the gospel of the past. But, God, there is also the gospel of the present. The ongoing work, which you call sanctification. That's the gospel. God, I pray that we would see the ongoing redemption in our life. The ongoing freedom that you offer in our life. And then, God, I pray for the future gospel. The moment that we leave this place, we dwell with you forever. That's the good news as well. And so, yet, God, today we see and we recognize the good news, but in seeing and recognizing the good news, we must be honest that there is bad news. The bad news is I'm a wicked sinner apart from you and what your work has done for me on the cross, I will spend an eternity apart from you. And then I'm reminded of the good news. It doesn't have to be that way. You say you've come to seek and save that which is lost. And I pray for anyone in the room this morning, if they don't know you as their personal Savior, they don't know the good news, they don't know the gospel today, that this morning that you would stir in the hearts of your people and you draw all people to this, yourself the way that you promise. grateful for the gospel I'm grateful for your son Jesus pulled on skin and dwelt among us lived a sinless life and died a criminal's death on a cross was buried in a tomb and yet on the third day the most miraculous thing that's ever happened in human history happened that you rose from the dead conquering sin forever and ever and ever and it's through your death and your burial and your resurrection that I can have life and life to the full that I can be free God from whatever I'm enslaved to today I pray that for people your people and your church this morning God continue to lead us and guide us as a church God, I pray that we would be a church that knows you and makes you known. I pray we'd be a church that is God-glorifying, that's gospel-centered, that's a a loving, missional community that will make disciples in all the world. You're a good God. You are a good, gracious God. I pray this in Christ's mighty and famous name. Amen.